Hands off parenting. It's just hands off parenting. Put that down, don't touch that, stop it. Where's the line? Okay. All right, well, we're well, back. We're back from a week of not <laughs> being here. <laughs> Um, hi, it's Hands Off Parents. I'm Abby. I'm Steph. And we were talking last week about schooling, and we had a very special guest, Tamari Cooper, and she... Ah, the kids screamed right after you. They do that. She trained them. wanted to continue talking about this, because we it was like, it's one of those daily shows, like, can you meet us after the daily show? And yeah, like, we, we, listening. Took it, we, we paused the thing, we stopped yeah. the mic, and then we, like, started having we this like, really good conversation. Let's keep talking. Yeah. So we wanted to keep talking. We hopefully you want to keep listening to schools. <laughs> Maybe not. not. But I think we're saying because actually, Terry, like we got off the episode, and Terry's like, "Does I care about this?" And I said that I really care because I don't know anything about it. But more than that, Steph mentioned everybody cares because your parent, and this is and everybody goes to school. Your li- I mean, this is it. This is what your kid Forever. does for twelve until they get out of your home. Yeah, teen, whatever. Years. Yeah, and I I'm think trying to do math. The idea. What we want to talk about is like your kids spend so much time at school. Yeah, I mean they're they're at school longer than they're with you every day. And thank God for that. <laughs> I mean for, for them. Yeah, for them. As you yes. take a sip of your wine. Yes. Um, but like I feel like my students at school, it's like a family environment. Yeah. I mean I'm with them so much. I'm with them eight hours a day. By the time Iris gets home, it's like 5 o'clock, and then we're like eating dinner and she's going to bed. So she's with her teachers. Almost more? More. Not yeah. almost. Definitely more. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to talk about how do you marry your like parenting philosophy yeah. with the philosophy of your institution? So I think we, we talk so much about our parenting styles being like, kind of, we're kind of, you know, we're hands off. But then we we talked about schooling last episode, and we were both like panic attacks, like sweating. What do we do, do, Terry? Help us! So our hands-off parenting is also trying to be a part of our kids' lives that is so important. And how do you marry those two things? And and what and part of it is that your kid we want our kids to be independent. We want our kids to yes. be who they are, be individuals, be independent. But like it seems like the status quo or like the conventional education right now is like you sit in your desk, right, you take tests, you, you get know, like hit with sticks, you, you do get homework. Hit with paddles, you do homework. Right. So like this is this is what's standard. We're not living in Finland. Tamara and I talked about how we just like want to be in Finland, but that's not where we are. Yeah, I don't you know, I think you just have to kind of compromise some of your hopes and dreams for your children. <laughs> yeah. Um and because yeah, I'm like this is silly. My child in kindergarten should be just what it means. Play school. She yeah. should just be playing. Right. Yes. But um, finger painting. It's just not. It's not realistic. It, it, and if really the only other choices are, you either have to pay a lot more money to go to a private school that is more focused on that, less structure, right. less testing. Because it's true. There are. I mean, most private schools still require as they get into the higher elementary grades some kind of end of year testing to get to the next grade yeah. but not a month. it's not it's not like five different standardized right. tests they aren't spending that much time now. and it's, just it's insane elementary yeah. school and then the other thing is if then some people go the radical route and homeschool because they're like you know and that for me personally 
it's too not an extreme. option. I'm it's too, too lazy. I mean, I, I can't teach yeah. math. I don't know how to factor now. No. I could never do it. You know? I don't even know what a factor is. No, and yeah. besides, I I have witnessed the social structure that is achieved in absolutely in the school environment that would never happen in my own house. And know? I know there's so. those homeschool like hanging out. Yeah. Hang, I don't even know what the word is. Uh, it's a, like a collective where yeah. there's several like, different. It's like, like commune, but that's not. Yeah. One mom teaches <laughs> science once a week and then the, they go over to another person's house to paint and it's this right. kind of thing. But, right. You know, and it works for some. It well, does. This is, this is the other thing is like, I think I talked to this one mom that I touched base with because of our hearing loss and she was saying like, I never planned to homeschool my kid, but my kid kind of dictated that this is the way we needed to go. And they had this neighborhood collective like you're talking about. And so the idea that like your kid, and this kind of is hands off, I think, like your kid sort of dictates the style that they need to be parented in. And you had a little bit of experience with that. Like you guys sort of went down a road that you went down because your baby seemed to respond to that. Yeah, we, um, we, uh, Rose is an only child. She had never really spent a lot of time with her children. She was always the kind of little girl that you'd take her to the playground and she'd look at the other children like they were aliens and I'm, I'm not quite <laughs> understanding what I'm supposed to do with these other creatures. So, um, it was important that she, you know, I got her around other children. Um, and I did find this really groovy little program it was a waldorf inspired not actually licensed because there's very few that are actually like official waldorf schools but um which i found to be really groovy and cute for those pre-k years preschool years what's um, waldorf i'm i'm so not an actual like, You're like authority on this right. you know but a lot of it is focused more on nature and the seasons and on um using their hands tactile learning tactile learning a lot of independent play it was really lovely they baked bread they'd all get together and knead the little bread and bake it and then they'd go like sing songs about the season but they actually also waldorf is very strict like you get these pamphlets and we didn't at the school because it wasn't this kind of strict situation but some of them are like uh, we recommend that you not allow your children to watch television or you guys watch TV oh, and you need it. to, yeah, and, out, and out. technology is not really important. We'll just have them like whittle and stuff. And so like, <laughs> and now I'm like, I don't want to be dogging, Sharon but not doggy Walter. Cause I thought it was really a great introduction for my child personally on getting, you know, having fun and being outside and doing some very just sort of like ancient learning styles you know um it seems to have worked for ages yeah and it didn't i don't i would question how much it would work moving forward like i think you'd have to have a really awesome school and there are some i you know i had a lot of time on my hands to be on the internet and i found some accredited amazing waldorf school in california that sounds amazing it's private and costs a lot of money but that's not really an option there's one other official waldorf school i think that's out in like tomball or something so there is one that's it's on the out. It's not in the Heights, but it's within the inner loop. It's not in the best neighborhood, but they bought it and we went and actually toured it. Um, and is it's it called, a gazillion dollars? It's called Bayou Village School. That's what it was called. And it was very much based on the same kind of Waldorf inspired curriculum. Um, but they seemed to be very young and they didn't really have a lot of structure in yeah. place. There's a lot of turnover in their staff. And so it was going to also cost us $900 a month. And, right. and, the question was, if that school closed down, like they didn't really have the children focus on learning to, to read or write 
until they were like in second grade. And so if Rose right, had been so going there and right. being all groovy with the seasons, right. and then let's say it had closed down, she would have been very behind from the general track of, of public school and quite frankly, most other private schools even. Yeah, like how do you transition out of that? Right, so that was one reason that we were like, okay, this isn't a very like, the school Practical. hasn't been here forever. Right. I don't know if we want it, because it seemed like you had to really commit to that. Now I do believe that this is true for like learning to read and stuff. There are early readers. Yeah. Some kids that pick up a book at three and they're reading, you know. Um, and we were talking and, about like speech development right. in the car. And basically by the time they're all 10, they all catch up. Right. They've shown in studies that even if your child learns to three, they don't have an actual um, educational advantage, intellectual advantage yeah. over the guy the that learns to read at seven. seven. Because is, they all basically catch up. And yeah. that's where the whole Finland yeah. thing comes in because yeah. they're like, let's not do it till then. And the right. nature over nurture thing that we always get right. down to. This is, is this is what our speech therapist actually told us. Like, she, Iris was scoring off the charts originally. <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole. Oh, um, But she was, like, scoring off charts because we did speech therapy with yeah, her. Because right. she has, like, you know, hearing My loss. And we still make no sense. Yeah, like, she was scoring <laughs> really high, like, at two. But, but our speech therapist said, it, this is going to slow down. Like, don't get used to her being this advanced yes. because she really she was just like shut it down. <laughs> she was. She was like, stop being so excited. <laughs> Amy, if you're listening... <laughs> it made me feel good for a second, and then you totally destroyed me. Um, but, like, the idea that the other kids are going to eventually catch up. Right, right. Like, everybody does shit at their own pace. Yeah, right. yeah. And that yeah. doesn't seem like in the public school system, like, that is Montessori is yeah. more for going at your own pace. Which is what we're doing. And there are, I think, three Montessori programs within HISD's public system. Yeah. But do they um, still have but do they still have to take these tests in Montessori? Not as many. Okay. They I do have, have to take They like, do have to take them and their test scores are not the greatest. Yeah. Oh, they is actually that true? test lower. Which I do. kind of love. Yeah. yeah. Like we're zoned to one of those. Right. And they're in like three year clusters. Like right. they'll have the same teacher for three years. Right, right, right. Um, and the idea is that like the older kids help to sort of it builds this community. So like mm -hmm. the older kids take care of the younger kids. And then when the younger kids grow up, like they help take care of and which to is be very a, nice. To yeah. be like a downer here though, but if you really have researched and you love Montessori and you are trying to get a public education for your child you need to move to where those schools yeah, are yeah. because those are the ones with the magnet programs where those wait lists do not move. Like, yeah. I saw them move, like, three slots, right. basically. Well, Everybody and, wants to go there. Yeah, and I'll say that, like, I the Montessori thing was important to us. What was more important to us is that Wilson has a hard of hearing component right. where, like, they have ASL as a second language. There's lots of kids there that have hearing aids and cochlear implants and they have two teachers of the deaf on staff and like if her hearing aid breaks somebody will understand how well, that works yeah. and like that's something I have to deal with all the time like I worry about right. her teacher being comfortable with that technology um and so that was the biggest thing for us like I want Iris to be around all kinds of kids I want her to see kids that are like her and not like her um, that, that's great that you that that, yeah, that program exists and that you were totally. able to move and then it like has both things that we like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then there are the private schools that do cost a lot more money that do less testing. I have some friends right. that their child is going to. I think it's the post oak school or friends that teach you know? in those. Schools. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And that's great, but, but it's the... not realistic for everyone to think they can do that. Sure. We cannot afford that. That's but again, I'm option. sounding like, like the biggest moron, and I'm okay with that in this respect. 
what is this testing doing? Like, what yeah. is what it is the purpose control. of it? Nothing. Back when Do I was nothing. a kid, yeah. again, in the 70s and the 80s, we had, like, one test. I lived in different states. So at the one point ta- it was the, the Iowa. And then this is even before that. Task. This is, we did, we just task, did what? We I did recall. the California Achievement Test in elementary school. Yep. Or we did the Iowa Standard Test. They still do an Iowa one, but they add like three or four more now. Rose is in kindergarten. That's my child. She's six. Um, and I love her teacher. She has been teaching kindergarten for 30 years. Jesus Christ. She has seen She's kindergarten go been around the block. every which way. And she personally, I can tell, she can't publicly say this, but right. she thinks it's a lot of hooey. Like, she really oh, is just like... I, I, I will I will go out on a limb here as a public school teacher and say, it's a lot of fucking hooey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she... And I have another friend who has just moved back to um, Houston who has been teaching elementary school for the last, I think, 14 years. And she has quit. And one of the main because reasons of... that she has quit is because she was so demoralized by having to teach the tests. Yeah. And they have to do things like they have to take all of the art and everything off the walls in the classroom for test <laughs> days. You crazy. Know? Now, again... My child, I don't know how it's going to go because right. she is very much like I, she, perfect conduct and let's do everything well, but I can tell she already gets nervous about testing because we already went through the first yeah. round of this in November and December. They do the kindergarten testing again and I got the results back, which I kind of need to get another degree to be able to decipher. Sure. Um, and there's sections of it where I'm like, wait, there's no bar on this graph here because she didn't answer any of those questions and so like it's all over the place it's like her vocabulary is at a second grade level but we can't really score her on this part because she didn't participate you know and so there's still five or six what are you talking about she's she's very nervous about risk she's not a risk taker you know so she will just not answer and so again I didn't make a big deal about them you know I mean the teacher again she's like I hate this and she said last year I had a, a little kid that literally showed up and barfed kindergarten on the first day of the testing because they were so nervous about the testing because their parents had been like you gotta do well kid you know so well and i'll tell you no college asks for your test that's the thing like Like, what is this doing why does it matter and i'm a teacher of 10 years in a public school and i I do see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel in texas they have now passed a law and this is going through secondary two it used to be that these scores actually could keep you from being able to go to your next grade and they just passed a law that said they can't do that anymore they have to look at your actual teacher recommendations and your schoolwork and your regular like tests in class you know as opposed to making this be a component of if you can graduate from fucking school well but and then now they also have come up with this thing called the opt-out where you can opt out of taking it's called the star testing right um now it's a little fishy because you have to opt out based on religious or moral reasons. Moral is the fishy what is one. Moral what, is, what is moral like? A shaky ground here. Right, right. Like, yeah, I guess you basically, how do you prove that exactly? But yeah, that it morally is offensive, I guess, to your beliefs. What you're talking about is your own personal belief system. I know somebody that did opt out. They had their kid opt out. They have to then... The, the system told them then on that day of testing or that week of testing, the child has to do something that is academically enriching during that testing period instead. Who runs that? Yeah. 
I guess the school's supposed to provide something else for them to do. Oh my god! But insane. I mean, here's the thing. I'm just happy that now they have this opt out because they didn't yeah. even have that before. I'm hoping it just keeps getting pushed because it has been one of the only times in the Texas legislature where bipartisan politics actually came together and and they were like, yeah, the testing's getting a little out of control. Like you actually had both sides coming together say. Maybe this is too much. Because they're not seeing the results that they want to see. No, right? it's not. It's that, not and parents aren't true. happy with it, and kids aren't happy with it. And from a teacher's perspective, they tied test scores to bonuses. Right. right. And that's like and to right. like yeah. teacher ratings. And if you are one of those really awesome teachers that decides you want to go teach in a impoverished, you know, neighborhood right. in a school that has a much more challenging demographic, you're not going to get a bonus right. and you're going to get punished. Right. And this and this goes back to like the the inequality of that because a good teacher isn't going to go. Yes, my love. What do you see? And of course, not get all like crazy conspiracy, but it all comes back to corporate stuff too. Because these tests are manufactured by these large corporations called Pearson, for example, is one of the main ones. I know them well. And so, you know, it's this whole money thing, hiring crony kind of thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know and what's going like, to happen. And what it's not like kids? this this country is doing better in terms of standardized testing, in terms of math, in terms of reading. No, and it's, it's consistently been going down. It's actually like inhibiting children's learning because they're yeah. only learning to, to teach the, they're teaching yeah. the test they're learning how to take a test they're not actually learning the, sub, the subject matter or the yeah. content and the way that we teach like has to completely change like our I mean you know these extreme like Waldorf you know let's go like you know build forts in the woods programs right sounds amazing it sounds great but like there's something about traditional education that was invented like in the industrial age. I mean, if you look at there's that great. Have you read Sir Ken Robinson? I know stuff very well. You know, like that kind of the whole thing has to shift. Yeah. I mean, our our entire system of like you sit down in a classroom. First of all, you sit down and you listen to an instructor and they lecture and all that. It's not. It's not working. Like we and need the college a new system. system. The university systems have been trying to get far away from that and get more into engagement and community involvement and all that. And that's huge right now. Right, like the, the SAT scores are, are not necessarily the, the thing that gets you into school. Yeah. School, you know. But there's still, I mean, there's still testing and there's still assessment that is huge and on the college level and as I, well. I mean, we miss out on, a, I'm not, this is not an exaggeration, Four weeks of instructional mm-hmm. time in the spring because of testing. Just spend, and we cannot teach our classes. For those of you listening who don't know, Stephanie no. teaches acting. Yes. So what do you teach testing? Like I, I don't. Fortunately, no, right. so you just like, like I, hang back. I have to like monitor. Can you teach them or... to act like they're good at tests? <laughs> no. Basically, what it amounts to is like kids sitting and doing nothing who are not testing that day. Okay. Which one is That's it? That's your child. It sounds like one of my children. That's Jack. Oh, because Levi stole his microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't um, you get the third microphone, Levi? <laughs> like, they shut down the entire school to do testing. Yeah. So it's like the what? kids who aren't testing that day, like, they just did the SAT test. And the yeah. entire day was shot. Oh, yeah, Even no, the was SATs like, I've read help. are just, like, a, a non-purposeful test. And, and that... 
the school they've community changed them multiple times to try and yeah. like make them better, make them worse, and it just doesn't seem to be. Because there's not, not one learning style. Take yeah. acid the night before you take your SAT. I'm just gonna go ahead and throw it out there. It was not. It's not a good good plan on my young. But uh, it was child. probably more fun. Probably way more fun. Anyway, residual tripping during the SAT. Yeah. Well, the autobiography of Tamri Cooper. It's in all of her shows. Yeah, you'll yeah. you'll see. No it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, like Rose was basically sent home with a thing that said, you know, the star testing is happening. So, like, there will be no specialty classes this week, and everyone must be quiet, and no parents can right. come and visit the school, and you know, they all have to, you know. And she talks about these, you know. Even when they take their little tests, they have to have these little blinders that the little kindergartners put up up. to keep. Yeah, this is psycho to me. This is crazy. So I'm from New York, and we had the Regents tests that were not until high school, though. I think maybe middle, late middle school, late middle school. Um, And you either got a Regents diploma and a regular diploma, or just a regular diploma. And I remember thinking. That if I didn't get this Regents diploma, I was going, I, I mean, I wouldn't get into any colleges. Not only would I get into college, but my whole life would be disastrous. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter. And nobody looks at it. And New York is the only state that does this. And I think California for a little while did it. But it doesn't, like, what, what are they, what is, what is the point at the end of the day? I know. I know. <laughs> it's all just, you know. So, yeah. But at the same time, again... It's life, and yeah, we live here, and we kind of have to play So you the won't game. fight against it. You know, again, I'm saying this now because I feel like Rose is actually um, assimilating into the system quite yeah. well. Yeah, I think that I, would, I wouldn't rule out that I was going to do that if I did have a kid that really had a hard time taking tests, yeah. you know, that like couldn't sit still and couldn't do it. Um, uh, yeah, I certainly would find some moral principle that was offended to every fiber of my being sure. and I would opt out, you know? Who knows what's going to happen. But, um, yeah, it's it's just crazy. And so we just kind of go along with it yeah. like we do with everything else. So. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's interesting because, like, we started this episode saying we were trying to be so hands-off. But then you can't, you can't really insert yourself into a system that doesn't want to accept a hands-off style. Or not even hands-off, but just a, like... Let my kid kind of do yeah, no, if what they're going to be good at, and I just want to... You're wanna, sending them to that program. It is full they, of structure and rules, and that's how it is. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, and there are, you know, there's always going to be the one mom that fights the battle and is the first one to opt out at the school and starts and the petition. Hopefully that is not you know? me. And I, don't, I just don't see it being me either, yeah. really. You know, I can sit here and send you a million different, again, Facebook articles about how rad Finland is, but yeah. it's just not oh my, my reality. yeah. Okay, we have gone through now seven pairs of underwear today. Oh my yeah. god. There's that one point I just where I like ran away. She peed on the floor. She peed on our floor. And but we Rob her wiped and, it up. Yeah, Rob and, and I, I. No, I wiped it up. Rob, you but Rob, wiped it up. But Rob did look. And you didn't even tell me. Really hard. She, she's awesome. <laughs> Ours is awesome, guys. I'm sorry so she peed on your floor. floor. She's yeah. really sorry. But I think it's a nice way to segue into. <laughs> Our next guest, who we are going to talk to, about your kid dictates a lot. Wow. That connection you just made was unbelievable. (laughs) Your kid dictates. Yeah, your kid, that's true. Like, we didn't decide we were going to wake up today and potty train. It's a Sunday. one day Rose is like, you know what? I'm done with these tests and I'm not doing this. I imagine that you will stand up for her. 
Yeah, or I'd be like, Rose, you are taking these tests. <laughs> because that's how I talk to her about homework sometimes now. We have got to do your homework. You're in kindergarten and you've got to complete your homework. That you know? sounds like the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, doing homework. It is insane because Not you're, asking, response. you're asking. It's pretty bad. You're asking them to like sit still for eight hours and then they have to come home and, and keep doing more. Still. I mean, most of the homework is fun stuff, you know, but still, it. it is None crazy. It's terrible. And, and like the very first time it was, it was a, like I was crying and she was crying and there was screaming. You're like, and your luckily we have like, this thing happened? where like, you know, my husband is like so calm and he never gets mad and all this, you know, and I'm like, ah! and then we have this thing where we apologize and we both say, we had you a and fit. Rose? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, mommy had a fit. She's like, I had a fit too. It's like, but it doesn't really mean it just means we were upset about that. We weren't really upset with each other. Right. You know. Right. That's, that's, that's very sweet. Yeah. You're doing a great job. Lovely parents. Oh, I love her. But it is a child-driven household. It is an absolutely yeah. it is. Yes, we are certainly in a child-driven household as well. That is that is I think my philosophy as well. I don't know about Abby. Are you child? Are you child driven? I don't know. Like, I'm just surviving. Like, I'm just like sleeping on my own floor. Well, right. It's like, like yeah. you use these terms, but it's like I was talking about attachment parenting. It's like I didn't like go when I'm a mother. Yeah. I'm going to be an attachment parent. It was just suddenly I was like, okay, you can sleep in the bed. Yeah. It's easier. Okay, it's easier. I was yes. nursing. And she was. A, right. She was one of those crazy nurses that nursed like every 15 minutes. You know, and so it's like, all right, just stay in the bed. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, whatever it's, you have to do to whatever survive. Whatever you have to do. And right. you know what? At the end of the day, they're all going to turn into adults and it's going to be fine. Yes. Whatever you do. Like, we need to, like, what is with our egos that we think that every choice that we make is going to, like, to do with anything. you know, like, make your kid either succeed or, like, totally fucking fail. It's no, like, I know. There's a lot of that psycho, like, analysis stuff that gets a little too intense of, yeah. like, you know, don't say good job because we you're... Just- Oh I, I like, said good okay. job, and I, my husband was like, "We're not supposed to say but good like, job. We're on, supposed really to say people, good trying." Really I was like, people, "But he didn't like, try. He just been, knew it." I trained the dog by like every time he pooped or peed outside, I threw a fucking party for him, <laughs> and every time she does it, I'm like th- doing somersaults in the bathroom. Like I just kind of threw a party for her for peeing on my floor. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> like good I mean, for you. I'm into Way that. To pee. She has a costume change also. Because she peed on All right, Iris is pulling me. So I'm going to say yeah, thank let's you to Tamarie. Take for a coming. break and yeah. we'll go to our next segment. But Tamarie, thank you so much. You're the best. Oh, you so ladies awesome. are fabulous. I can sit here for a week. Awesome. Well, maybe we'll ask you to come yeah. back. Yeah. Come back because I got two kids to be watching. All right, we'll be right back. Where's the so we're going to introduce you to a gentleman named Sam Brower, and he published an article a few weeks back in the Houston Chronicle specifically about why his daughter would not be taking the STAR exam. And Steph and I were really struck by this article, and we thought, hey, maybe we could get this guy on the show, and he would uh, take us kind of seriously. Um, and he actually did, which is amazing. And he is um, really well-versed in the STAR exam, and also all the reasons why his daughter wouldn't be taking it and so he chatted with me and let's take a listen to what he has to say so um, you wrote this great article for the chronicle um about mm-hmm. your daughter's experience with these star tests yes um so back up a little bit and tell me where where what led you to writing this article and and um your experience with them okay yeah sure um and so, I mean, in the article, I talk about how star testing became a part of our lives at a very early age for her. 
Okay. I mean, she was doing mock exams in kindergarten and first grade. Um, and those mock exams are really not designed to get students to pass tests, but really get them designed to be conditioned to a testing environment. Um, on average, students will spend about three and a half to four hours taking the test. Um, and so they want to get kids used to being quiet for that long, for sitting still for that long, because that's not really a natural thing for them. Right. It's not something that we would normally ask kids to do. And, um, and so that's where it reading, became a thing. Yeah, I was like, not to, like, I was reading your article about that, and I had never heard of this. So I should say that this is all new to me. Um, but it mm -hmm. felt like, I want, like, I don't know, like Hunger Games style. Like, I'm just picturing, like, dystopian kids locked to desks and, and in kindergarten. So they're five and they're doing this with them. Yeah, and I mean, it, you know, they build them up in the sense of, you know, in kindergarten, the tests aren't going to be as long, but um, while the students in the upper grades in third, fourth, and fifth at this time of year are having to take tests, well, you can't allow first and second and kindergartners to run around the school because it needs to be a quiet testing environment. And you can't allow them to have outside recess because the expectation is that the entire building will be shut down. So the students in third, fourth, and fifth are going to focus on the test. Right. And so what they've done is they've decided well, we don't want to do our normal curriculum because the normal curriculum has breaks in it that we would then need to put the students out in the hallway or send them to auxiliary or those kinds of things. And so instead, they've decided we're going to give them practice tests. And so we're going to treat them just like we would the third, fourth, and fifth graders. Um, I mean, with obviously more leniency. I mean, if you're a first grader and you start talking to your neighbor, they just ask you to refocus. I mean, they're not going to potentially take away your test or potentially move you out of the room or those kinds of things. Right, right. But I mean, it's this conditioning process to get the students ready for, you know, third and fourth grade. And I mean, and the stress that comes with that, because for the kids, they start being told by their teachers that they need to take this seriously, yeah. that the school gets judged by this, um, by the, you know, the teachers get judged by this. And I mean, and that doesn't stop. I mean, for example, just this past week or two, and so, I mean, we've talked to Ava about opting out. Ava knows that she'll be opting out. Um, she's told her teacher, or she's told her principal, and we've had these conversations. And I mean, they've both independently gone to her and talked to her about how much they need her to take the test. And like, I want to get to that. Why? Mm -hmm. And you can go back to it because I don't understand why they, why, why that language, or like, why are they saying that? Why do they need her? And do they need her to take this test? I mean, so no, they don't, um, but they feel that they do. I mean, Ava is a strong student academically. Okay. And so they're going to want their students who are stronger academically to take these tests. And so, I mean, she's taken now four different mock exams over the last two months. Okay. Um, wow. And she's gotten A's on both of those. And I mean, those are... We're going to sit down for four hours. We're going to pretend it's the real star exam. And so, I mean, it's not just the two that she's supposed to take on May 9th and 10th. Uh -huh. I mean, there's four other days that's being dedicated to this. And usually those are taking place because you have other grade levels that are taking exams. Okay. And so similarly to what they'll do with the first and second graders, that becomes the time in which you build in a uh, mock exam in your scope and sequence. Right, right, right. Now regarding why the schools want students to take these tests. Yeah. Um, so these tests are utilized in a high stakes accountability system. 
where students have historically been recognized as either exemplary, um, recognized, acceptable, or unacceptable. Okay. And we're transitioning in Texas to a A through F method, um, where schools will be literally graded on a letter grade, which is popular in some other states. Right. But that is, that's called kind of your annual yearly performance. And so schools will receive an AYP score. And the large chunk of that is based upon student test scores. At the high school level, graduation rates um, and those kinds of things will factor in. But at the, at the younger levels, that's really tied to um, how do students perform on your tests. And, and is, so for the school, okay. oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, so, and you're probably getting there, but is this like financially motivated or like if you get an F as a school, what does that do to you? You just look back? Um, so you can go through multiple transition years. Okay. Um, transition year may be the inappropriate term, but you go through multiple levels to which um, I want to say the first year, for example, if a student, it, say the school's ranked an F or unacceptable, uh -huh. all the parents will receive a letter home that will say if you want to transfer to a different elementary school or a different middle school or a different high school within the district, um, you're now allowed to do that. Wow. Because the state of Texas doesn't believe that you should be stuck in their language in what they call a fail a failing school or what they label as a failing school. So it's, and so there's that incentive. Okay. Then if it escalates and you continue to get rated an F or unacceptable, eventually you can have something like what happened with North Forest School District in Houston ISD, where the state will take it over. And then either they repurpose it. Okay. Um, and it could become like a transition charter somewhere else. or yeah okay and and you're actually seeing this right now with the victory prep charter schools hisd is voting on whether they're going to bring those charter schools into their system or not because the schools have been taken over because they're failing schools and they're about to go under and it's happened it can happen at a high school level too in that um i want to say it was sam houston high school and this would have been nine or ten years ago now uh -huh. that it got labeled in multiple years in a row and eventually got taken over. And so the state had to make very, I mean, basically you clean house at the, as far as the faculty and the staff and the administration, and you rehire anybody and you kind of put in new principals who come with different ideas and those kinds of things. So right. for the folks in the schools, the faculty members in the schools, um, their rating of their schools on the line there, and that rating then can lead to potential, I mean, some serious consequences. Sure, sure. In addition to in Houston ISD, um, it's utilized to evaluate teachers on an individual level as well. Right. And right. so Ava's teacher will receive a score at the end of the year based upon how her students do on the test. And that's like and so, merit raises any kind of, in addition to being mm -hmm. kept around, she, everything is sort of hinging on these tests. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and historically, um, HISD has put in about $16 million into Aspire Pay, is what they call their merit bonuses. Um, that has been cut down significantly. Uh -huh. And so it's been cut down from $16 million to $2 million. Um, so there won't be as much merit pay going forward. I think HISD has kind of realized, but they don't want to admit it, um, what the research has kind of already shown us with merit pay, yeah. um, whether it's looking at, you know, Newark, New Jersey, and the Zuckerberg money that went there, whether it's looking elsewhere, merit pay has never been shown to work. Um, and there's been like multiple now quantitative, almost longitudinal studies that 
that reinforce that as well. I mean, that's not just people speaking from a anecdotal experience. Like we've now have the research that supports merit pay is not an effective way to incentivize teachers to teach better because as a teacher and as a former teacher myself, yeah. you're not motivated on day three by the idea that you might get $10,000 or $5,000 um, in, you know, in August or something like that. You're right. motivated by the kids. And, and that's the thing that, you know, I tried to write about in the, in the article as well is that Ava's teacher is actually a phenomenal teacher. Like she's great with her and great to her. Um, and as the teacher that you would want, I mean, she's been experienced. She's probably been teaching for 30 plus years. Right. Um, and it's wonderful in the classroom, but there are things that are required because of the system that's in place that she has to do. And she's um, and she has no choice as frustrated as many of the parents are. And it sounds like you're many of the kids are as well. Like, but her hands are tied. Yeah, I mean, basically. I mean, for the most part, and so I work with, um, pre-service and, and teachers, I mean, right. as an education professor and, virtually all of them are very frustrated with the system that's in place. There are some that I think don't have a full understanding of how all of the systems get created. Uh -huh. And so there's some kind of misunderstandings of why this is taking place. And so, you know, I've heard people ask me, well, you know, would you opt her out of a driver's license test or would you not have her take the SAT? And it's like, I don't always think that people recognize how these tests are created. I mean, 15 politicians sit down yeah. and they decide what the standards are going to be with sometimes little input from classroom teachers, from parents, from community members. Um, and they have an option at the end where they can line out and veto anything that anybody else has suggested and put forward anything they want without review. And that's kind of a scary thing yeah. that there's no oversight and then those standards, the tests are written to them. So it's not, you know, usually in grade levels. So for example, usually at the end of first grade, I believe students have to be at a level 16 reading level to kind of be promoted to second grade. Okay. And there's, and so a teacher or reading specialist will sit down with a child and they'll kind of have them read a book. And if they can read a level 16 book with proficiency, then you say, okay, they're going to have a little melting period over the course of the summer. So they'll probably come into second grade at about a level 12 reading level. That's a pretty comfortable scenario. We're willing to accept that and we'll promote them forward to second grade. Right. And everybody kind of recognizes like a student should have some sort of literacy or we need to provide some additional assistance. Which is makes sense. That's I mean, not what, that's yeah, totally that's, different. But that doesn't take place with the STAR exams because the STAR exams don't have that kind of practical purpose in place. And the other thing is that you're going to have multiple opportunities to read a book. So if you mess up and you go back and you work through it and maybe, you know, you can get a second chance or a third chance. With these, it's a, it's a one-stop shop. And these tests have never been proven to be reliable or valid. They've never gone through any sort of independent validity. Um, and they can because they never have the time to test them out this is crazy to me like you're I I don't even understand how this is legal to be perfectly honest but I you know this very I mean you're obviously intimately involved in it as an educator and as a parent but what is mm -hmm. let me ask you like as somebody who's an educator do you know what good this is doing I mean I imagine they think like I don't I feel like they're not like just a bunch of like 
I don't know, fat cats sitting around in Washington being like, let's just <laughs> make these kids take these horrible tests. Like, they must think something good is happening or going to happen, but it has this good happened in any respect? So, I mean, the idea behind it was is that you had a huge racial achievement gap right. in the United States, which continues to exist to this day. And so the idea behind it and it's kind of, I mean, if you think about it in just kind of common sense without really looking at the practicality of it, you would say, okay, schools aren't serving certain groups of children well. If we hold them to certain standards and we say this is where every child needs to be, then the teachers can get them to that point. Right. And if the teachers aren't getting them to that point, then we need to fire the teachers and we need to get in teachers who can do that. Right. And the idea behind it is that you kind of take a business model approach and you say, you know, this is the production that we're supposed to get from our worker. And if the worker doesn't provide that level of production, then we will find a worker who can. Um, the difference is, and people have now been able to kind of track this and study this, is that a teacher only accounts for at most 14% of a student's performance on a test. Really? And, and when you think about it from that framework, it now kind of makes us have to rethink okay, well, maybe that practical common sense approach that we were going to apply a business model to education, we have to think about, okay, so what impacts children? I mean, if children's home life impacts them, right. you know, if children are being fed, um, if children are able to sleep at night, if children are living in conditions that would make it conducive for them to go into school and learn. Um, and, and so there's a lot of factors that are at play for kids. And so all standardized tests have really shown us is that, Certain groups of students do really well, and certain groups of students don't do very well on standardized tests. And so we've continuously labeled students as failing, who were not necessarily failures at all. Right. And really what we've decided is we're not going to invest in the resources that might allow or assist or help these students be more successful. Um, and that falls along racial and kind of class lines across the board. Right. Um, and so if you want to look at the students who do well on tests, I mean, you can start looking at the wealthier zip codes around the area and you'll see test scores just kind of increase and increase. Right. right. Um, and, the, you know, and there's been a lot of instances of cultural bias in tests. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, and that's kind of been a consistent issue as well, because who's writing the test, what kind of backgrounds are they coming from? Yep. Um, what kind of culture norms are they coming from? And and so you're right. I don't think that it's necessarily, you know, on the legislative side, in many instances, a bunch of fat cats are sitting around and being like, we want to punish kids and teachers because yeah. I don't think that that's their goal at all. I hope I not. think in many instances, <laughs> I think that they've been told um, that we need to hold schools accountable. Like you don't want to have poor teachers teaching kids and we don't want to have schools that have traditionally had high dropout rates, continue to have dropout rates, but there's never really been a focus. And, and I think that that's why you have people here in Houston are saying, okay, well, which schools get librarians? Which schools get counselors? Um, what kind of additional resources are you putting forward to assist students? Um, you know, are we offering Head Start programs across the board? I mean, Head Start's been shown to have a $9 return on every $1 that's invested into that because you have less students who are given the grade retention, you have less students that will go to the program that will end up dropping out of school. Um, 
it, and so there's programs that we can invest in that would assist children. Um, but holding a teacher solely responsible for that performance um, when they can only control so much of it. Yeah. By your daughter dropping out of these star tests, does this put her at any sort of disadvantage? Because I know you're a part of this group that is, in, and sort of the end of your article was like a rally cry. Like everybody should try mm -hmm. to do this because if we all do it, we can make change. Does it hurt her mm -hmm. in any way to do this? So not on an academic um, structural level. Right. And so I'm in the, so like I was saying earlier, I mean, her principal and teacher have asked her, they've told her on a personal level that they need her to take the test. Right. And I think that that kind of has an emotional toll. Yes. And that to me just requires kind of those parental conversations of, and we talked about that beforehand, you know, we talked about they have an incentive or there's going to be a motive and they're going to want you to take these tests. And so she kind of knew that was coming. And so I think that that on a personal level is sometimes tougher because she loves both of them. Right. Um, but I mean, this was also a conversation that we had. Um, she had a good friend last year that opted out and she's kind of wanted to do this now for quite a while. And so we've kind of had to talk about this. Um, this isn't something that like, you know, that we just decided for her. This was something that we had a conversation with her about. But on a um, school-based level, no, there's no sort of um, repercussions or consequences, especially if you're not in fifth or eighth grade right now. Okay. Um, in third, fourth, and fifth, and sorry, third, fourth, and sixth, and seventh. Um, the tests are not used as a promotion standard. They're strictly used as accountability purposes for the, for the school. school and for the teacher. Wow. But they're not used in any regards for the student whatsoever. Right. Now, and in fifth or eighth grade, they could be used as a promotion standard. And so you may have to go through a grade placement committee, which just means you have to sit down with a group of adults from the school and you say, you know, my students, my child has performed well. Mm -hmm. And is ready to move on and everybody kind of agrees and the and parent the child can, can do that on. the parent is involved yeah. in that not to the child sitting down the, having to defend themselves yeah yeah the, the parent is involved in that okay. now schools can make threats and this is one of the things that we've had to deal with um when ava first told her teacher that she was going to opt out the teacher said well if you do that you'll have to go to summer school right i read and that so we had to contact mm-hmm and so I mean, we had to contact the school and forward them to HISD to kind of say, no, that's not true. And please don't tell her that. Now, I actually believe that the teacher didn't know that because that policy has changed. Okay. I also think that the schools and the school districts have been misinforming teachers and principals because they want them to kind of put that pressure on them. I mean, they don't want this movement to grow. Right. That's um, They're afraid of what though. is happened in Colorado and yeah. in Seattle and in New York, um, they don't want to kind of deal with those consequences of so many students. Because if over 5% of the students at a school opt out, the test that they opt out of is no longer valid. It has to meet a 95% threshold. And so they're really afraid that if it continues to grow. Our point is like we want it to hit that threshold because then once it hits that threshold, we want them to reconsider and not the schools and the school districts, but we want the legislators to reconsider. Maybe there's a different way that we can do this. If this many parents are taking issue, because we all want a quality education for our sure. children. Right? 
I want her I want her to be held accountable for learning. I want her to have a rigorous education. I, you know, I'm not wanting to send her to school to just play around, but that rigorous education isn't test preparation. Right. That rigorous education can be done in a lot of different formats in a variety of ways that doesn't revolve around her doing an hour of test prep every night. And like that freaking out and yeah, being <laughs> upset about yeah. it and, and so, stressed over it. And, and it's spreading Texas wide too. I mean, there's a lot of Facebook groups now where people are providing support because there's I mean, parents have a lot of questions. And so people have questions, you know, they'll be in Dickinson ISD and they'll say, you know, this has happened. What do I do? And, you know, people from all across the state can help out because they're state policies. Well, it sounds like a good fight that you're fighting. Um, and I, okay. I, I appreciate that you were able to talk about it with us and put that um, article out in Chronicle because it's as a parent who's a little behind um, in in age group, like I had never heard of it, and I now I don't ever want to think about it ever again. To be perfectly honest, but I well, know and, it's inevitable. and I think that that's the hope. Yeah, is that if we continue to push this forward? I mean, two years ago there was one student in Houston who opted out. Um, last year, I believe the estimated that they're around 80 this year, there's going to be hundreds and that's continued to grow. And in New York, that's put a pressure that people have had to rethink, what are we using these tests for? And why are we using this test? Yeah. And it's, you know, made people across the nation kind of rethink, is this the way that we want to punitively assess our teachers and our principals? Because. I mean, coming from the perspective as a former teacher, um, yeah. like we want our students to do really well. Um, we care for those kids. And so if there's an opportunity to give them the freedom to kind of regain control over what takes place in the classroom, um, I fully trust Ava's teacher, if she had that option, would be providing her with an amazing education. And she's already doing that, but there's just time taken away that I think she could use a lot more effectively and would probably like to. And I think there's a lot of other educators out there who would want to do that. I would imagine. Yeah, I would definitely imagine. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me yeah, about this. And um, I know that this is interesting to a, me as a parent, and I'm sure to a lot of other parents out there who are just starting to dip their toes in the water here and or are in the thick of it. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, um, and I'm you, proud of your daughter. <laughs> Good for her. Well, thank you so much. And I mean, and thank you for taking the time to be interested in this topic, too, and for having me on. I really do appreciate that. Yeah, no, no, no. Thank you. Thank you. You can follow Hands Off Parents on Twitter at Hands Off Parents, or you can always send us an email at handsoffparents at gmail.com. Or if you look on Facebook, if you're into that thing, you can find us there as well. Hands Off Parents is Steph and Abby. Mail can.